Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a weekly program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. This program is brought to you by Hope Fellowship, your community church located on the second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. I'm Pastor Mike Zenker, and for the next half hour, I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will help you expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. So many are tired of trying harder to live the Christian life. I've got great news for you. You can stop trying. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Hello and welcome to Still Growing in Grace. I'm glad you're able to tune in today to listen. We're going to continue on with some more good news, and I hope this series has been good news to you. For some of you, it's brand new information, and hopefully it's a revelation. And today we're going to continue on the topic of the brand new me. Who are we? Who am I? Who are you? What is our true identity? Um, I believe that many people are trying to figure out life, trying to understand the spirit spirituality, trying to understand how to connect with the divine. Uh, If they don't know his name, Jesus, they're trying to find it in many other places. But I believe it's when we understand who we are, that will then determine all of our behavior. There are many people trying to change their personal behaviors for a behavioral change and not get at all that really it's a mind change that needs to happen. A revelation needs to come to their minds to see who they really are. It is when we understand who we are that our behavior changes. Doing flows from being, not the other way around. Too many times we get people to try and change their behaviors so that their minds will get changed, but that's the opposite a fact. I have found that in my own personal life is the more I begin to see who I am, how God has wonderfully made me, I I am changing my own behavior, my thinking, my responses, uh, my outlook in life, my outlook uh, to the people around me, my family, my job, uh, in the community. It's It's been a big life change. Well, if I am connected to my Heavenly Father in a very profound way, we need to know who He is too and what, what is our nature. And some of you may know the term the Trinity. It is not a word that is found in the scriptures, but it is a term the early church fathers talked about often. In fact, uh, you'll see some old writings that refer to the word perichoresis. Peri meaning uh, around, and choresis comes the word choreography, dance. They call it the circle dance of God, where the Father, Son, and Spirit are one. They're not separate deities. They are one. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. And yet, they are one, and together they are God. It is a mystery that cannot be fully understood. And I wish I could, because I I want to understand this God I say I believe in. I'm here to tell you from the bottom of my heart, I don't believe any human fully knows, 
God. They have revelation of a part of him, uh, who he is, how he's revealed himself to us. But to have the complete arrived answer to who he is, nobody has that. We're still growing and learning. That's why this show is called Still Growing in Grace. We are still growing in this revelation. So what does the scripture say? Because I hold the scriptures in high regard. I love the scriptures. The Bible gives me so many directions and so many uh, images of who my Heavenly Father is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, what happened to the cross. The scriptures have given me those answers. So I want to talk about the nature of us and where does the scripture talk about that. And there are a few verses that give us a little sneak peek. And I don't want to become too dogmatic about this, but these verses shed a lot of light and I remember back in my Bible college days uh, having these, discussion, these, these discussions in systematic theology class and people arguing about terms and stuff. I'm not here to argue. I'm here to read what these texts say, and then we can continue to explore. These are supposed to be um, like a stepping ladder towards an, a greater and deeper understanding. So let's begin. If we're trying to understand who we are uh, connected to our Heavenly Father, um, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this. Listen carefully to these words. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit, your soul, and your body, did you hear that? Your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus. So the reason I chose that verse, there is something there that reveals something called spirit, soul, and body. These are important terms. Where else do we get anything close to that in the scriptures? We'll I have two more verses that really, really help point out there is something to be said about this. We need to take it seriously. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, Indeed, the word of God is a living and, eff and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. There's another word to throw into the mix, heart. We'll cover that topic another day. But here, it says the spirit is like a two-edged sword. God is able to see the penetration between soul and spirit. So perhaps what we think is spirit, what we think is soul, maybe only God can really, really tell what that dividing line is. Maybe we don't know. Maybe we're guessing. Maybe we've spent too much time fighting over who's right and who's wrong. I'm just saying there's, there's much to learn from this, and there's a truth for our, our personal identity. And I believe our identity is our spirit. What is true of us in our spirit, that is who we are. Let me uh, show you something else from 1 Corinthians 14, verses 14 to 15. It says this, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit praise. But my mind or soul is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind soul. Also, I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind soul also. There are uh, interchangeable terms here, but they're referring to something that we may not fully know about, but you need to understand the core nature of who you are is spirit. And that is a fact I did not know about growing up. 
Um, I, I think if we were to take a look at uh, understanding how we're made up, uh, body, our soul, our spirit, um, we could become dogmatic and split these up and dissect them like crazy, which we, we're not planning to do here. Uh, our body, let's say. Our body is like our earth suit, the body in which we lived. I remember a guy named Bill Gillum called it our earth suit, and it's a pretty profound thing to have a body. Some bodies work better than others. Some look better, some worse, some are aging, some are whatever. Like Our bodies is where we express what is true of us inside. It's like an astronaut going to the moon. He needs a spacesuit in order to survive the atmosphere of that moon. So here, instead with uh, our bodies, we need a body to survive here on this earth and interact with one another. Each humanity or each person is a spirit who possesses a soul or personality and expresses life in a physical locality through our body. All three collectively are in union. So let's not dissect and separate them and go, that's just my body. That's just my soul. That's my spirit. That has a value to look at that, but not uh, to to zoom in too much. Um, For the purpose of what we're talking about today, to know who you are, this dissection is helpful because it helps point to what we're talking about. And I'm looking at the core inside us that we are spirit. I remember uh, I had a woman in my church. Uh, her name was Teresa. She used to come to church um, in a in one of those carts with wheels, and she was hunched over heavily. Um, and sometimes I would say, hey, good morning, Teresa. How are you? And she would look over, turn her head sideways over to me because she was hunched over her cart. And she'd say, hello, Mike. I'm great. From the head up. And I always had to laugh. She, Her body was not doing what her mind wanted it to. It was aging and not going in that same direction. I, I just loved that story of, of who she was. And she was such a spunk and spark of life, even at her age of 94. So if we don't know who we are, Let's say we don't know that our identity is rooted in our spirit and what is true in our spirit would be true of our true identity. I believe in our world, we are trying to find an identity, find a place, find a way to find value, to be loved, valued, and accepted. Uh, I, I know there's a gentleman named Ralph Harris who used the term residential identity apart from our spiritual true identity, because sometimes our residential, what we're doing here on earth, becomes a thing uh, where we put all our value in. And if we put all our value in that residential identity, we will lose out on the true core of who we are and draw from the true life within us. Identity has been established in many different ways, especially residential ones or man-made identities. Some do it through their finances of what they can acquire, fancy cars, nice house, uh, expensive jewelry, or plenty of trips. That becomes their identity. And when that identity is suddenly lost, they are in a deep crisis. Oh no, what do I do? And so that's one way. Performance is another way to put that. Performance or um, uh, 
collateral items become your identity. Another way identity can be understood is some people uh, have a, a residential identity change when they get married. Uh, instead of being your own person, now you're together as one with another person. Uh, another way that this happens is uh, in birth. Um, when you have kids, uh, those kids are, their identity is, let, let's say for my children, I have three kids. They are my kid no matter what they do. They can go off the rails. They can behave, misbehave. Uh, it does not change. They are my kid. Their true identity is still my child. And I'm proud of them. I love them. I will guide them, direct them, discipline them and uh, be the best parent that I can. And I still have not figured how to do that yet, not to do it well. <laughs> I'm sure many parents can agree with me on that one. How then does God see us? If the world has all these messages that try to communicate who we should be, because the world wants to put us into a box. They want us to act a certain way, to perform a certain way, to uh, be successful in a certain way. And if you are successful, then your, your um, reputation goes up and people want to be near you. Not so much for you, but your reputation. They want to cling on to, oh, he's a, he's a very wealthy person, so I want to be near that. Or that person is a brilliantly smart communicator. I want to be near that so that I'm near something secure that in the event that I need that kind of smarts uh, for an argument, I'm near that person. Same thing with money, same thing with popularity, uh, personality types. Some people are drawn to very outgoing personality types, but sometimes that is an illusion because those individuals do not always know who they are. You can have opinions about them. I have lots of friends that have many gifts and talents, but I would never say that their identity is their talent. I would instead be able to say they are, in my mind, they are a child of God, and that is their core identity. I'm to see them after who they really are, not their behavioral patterns. So I want to take a look at how God then sees us, because if we can't see ourselves right, at least let's go to the source of our Creator the one who created us. Let's look at God's opinion of us because God has an astounding opinion of you and he wants you to know it. He wants you to believe it. So we're going to come back in the second half of this program and we're going to take a look at how God views us, sees uh, um, uh, the real us from his perspective. I want to listen to his voice, not my own or the world's. See you in a moment. Martin Small Engines and Auto Clinic in Elmira is more than small engines. Like their name says, Martin's is also a full-service auto clinic focused on automotive repair and service, brakes, tires, local lockout service, and so much more. Whatever you need, Martin's can do it. For that small-town feel with large shop quality, trust a team that really cares. Martin's Small Engines and Auto Clinic, Industrial Drive Elmira and martinselmira.com. Are your kids looking for some outdoor fun this March break? It's not far from your own backyard. At Conestoga River Horseback Adventures, pony rides for ages 2 years and up, camp for 5 and up, lessons for 7 and up, trails are 11 and up when the ice is not around. Sign the kids up now for March break camp before they get cabin fever. At Conestoga River Horseback Adventures, 519-888-6503 and horsebackadventures.ca. Thanks for coming back for the second half. Um, how does God see us? I'd like to know his opinion, his thoughts. And I found some profound 
insights from the New Testament that reveal God's opinion of us. I'm, I'm going to begin with one called, we are called saints. You are a saint. In Romans 1, 7, it says, to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints. Can you believe that 63 times in the New Testament, we are called saints? Saints, I know. Now, when I'm called a saint in scripture, that does not always mean I act like who I really am. I don't always act like a saint. Uh, anybody that's married knows, um, nope, my wife knows I don't act like a saint all the time. Um, but it is true of the real me. This is how God sees you and how he sees me. And that's a really big title, saint. Number two, we are the righteousness of God. You are a righteous person person right now. I know many people are trying to become righteous. They're trying to uh, attain something that is already theirs. And again, if you don't know who you are, then you're going to try to get that very thing that you that, that that's already yours. And it becomes very, very confusing. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is incredible that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. You have become the righteousness of God. You don't have to try to become righteous. You already are. Oh, my, my. Another one is beautiful. Ephesians 2.10 is a strong revelation. Uh, in fact, some of you will chuckle at this. We are a divine work of art. Now, I've been called a piece of work, <laughs> but I, I, I'm biblically called a divine work of art. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow. You are a beautiful, divine work of art. That is how God sees you. If you don't see yourself like that, or if others don't see yourself like that, and if you listen to other voices and don't know who you are, you're going to read and buy and collect all these opinions of everyone else, and they'll become yours without having the authentic, true opinion of God in you. Another wonderful thing that the scriptures tell us is that we are holy. Yes, we are are holy. We don't have to try to become holy. I remember there are books out there that I've, I've read them, how to become more holy, how how to increase in holiness. Oh my goodness. It, it, it sends a message that we're lacking something. And the scriptures tell us we have everything we need. We'll cover that verse later. But here we are. We are holy. Ephesians 4, 24. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness, there it is again, and holiness. You are holy. You don't have to try to become it. This could be a new uh, lesson for somebody not hearing this for the first time, because sometimes we think certain people are holy because they've done certain things or maintain a certain behavioral pattern. That is not so. God has created you 
to be holy, and you are holy. You don't have to try to get that. So let's start believing what God says. This next one's very deep, very profound. We are one with Christ. To me, this was one of the greatest revelations. When this became real to me, I'd say almost 20 years ago now, everything changed. My whole mindset changed. It changed how I saw God, how He saw me, and it took a couple years to actually believe. Yes, it came into my head, but before it became into my thinking process, it took a long time to unlearn some myths that I believed or incomplete uh, understandings of how God viewed me. I had some misconceptions put into that too. We are one. In 1 Corinthians 6, seven it says but we but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him first Corinthians 617 2nd Peter uh, 1 verse 4 it says for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature. You're a partaker of the divine nature. This is good news. You should get excited about that and it gets better. This next verse should blow your socks off. This was the verse that hit me when this verse became a revelation to me instead of just a verse. This is what happened 20 years ago. I woke up I became aware of something I was not fully aware of before. And I'm still becoming more fully aware. But I, had, I did not have a level of, of revelation to see this next verse. Listen to this one. Some of you will know it. This is from Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've heard that one before. I want to read it to you from the Passion Translation. This is absolutely beautiful. And if uh, no matter where you are listening right now, listen to these words carefully and slowly as I read them to you. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. God wants everyone to know it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I did not know Christ was in me, that I was one with Christ. When I was a young child, I was clearly led to believe, and even in my teen years, clearly led to believe that if I am good, then God is, listen to this, with me. If I'm good, he is with me because somehow I've done something acceptable to to be around. But if I misbehave, God can't be near me for God cannot handle or stand sin. He's too holy. And that became a, um, a misconception, a misteaching that corrupted my picture of my Heavenly Father and created a distance in my mind of who I thought He was and how He saw me. But now I know Christ is in me, with me. I'm in Christ. He's in me. I'm one with Christ. I'm one with the Father. I'm in union with them. This is the greatest good news I ever came across. 
And now I want to shout it from the mountaintops. I want to remind people who struggle with their identity. I want to remind people with struggling with life, with shame issues, uh, patterns of really poor decisions, trying to figure out and navigate life, and they're reacting to all the shame and false messages coming to them. But if you can just stop, put some earplugs in, and find that silence, and look at what Christ says about you. God's astounding opinion of you and listen to his voice and believe the one who knows best, the one who created you. If I have a Samsung uh, cell phone, I'm not going to call Apple and try and find a manual on how to use um, uh, my Samsung phone. I'm going to call Samsung and then they will send me the manual or however it works. But I go to the author, the creator, the manufacturer, and it is Christ Jesus who created us. I want to go to him and see his opinion. Next one. This is exciting too. We are the expression of divine life. And when Christ, from this is from Colossians 3, 4. You're going to like this too. Colossians 3, 4. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. <laughs> Jesus Christ is your real life. He is the expression in us of divine life. So we are, because we're in union in our spirit with Christ, we are one with him. He is that expression and he is our very life. Some people may not realize that they are actual children of God. You are a child of God. Here's a beautiful translation from Passion Translation of John 1.12. It says this, But those who embraced him and took hold of his name were given authority to become the children of God. Now, there's a little side note here under the word name. It says, who embraced him and took hold of his name. Um, there's a little star that says, it, it also means this. Those who are putting faith in, into, into his name to lay hold of his name means to believe all that he represents and puts into practice and in what he taught in the power of his name. Not everybody knows they're a child of God, but they are children of God. And when you believe it, your whole life changes and you wake up and you receive a revelation. You receive that awareness of the life of Christ and it changes you You're from the inside out. Your mind changes, your perspective of yourself changes, your, your perspective of other people's cha people change, and your perspective of your creator changes. You will see how fearfully and wonderfully made you are. We need to get this news out. We need to tell more people of this good news of how God sees us, that God is not angry with us. He is for us. He's not against us. He wants to tell you he loves you, that you are valued. You are accepted right now without any exception. You are deeply loved. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today. Looking for a real estate agent that will put your needs before his? Terry Van Lent is just that agent. Caring and honest are just two of Terry's best qualities, and they shine through in his real estate career. As a longtime resident of Waterloo Region, Terry is well acquainted with the area and its multitude of attractive amenities. For an agent that cares, call Terry Van Lent at Coldwell Banker Peter Benninger Realty, 519-742-5800, extension 2060. Family run? 
family owned. So their focus is on you. Conestoga Lodge Retirement Residence is a full-service retirement home in Kitchener, and you'll be impressed to know that they are not a big corporate chain. They're quality-driven with a focus on each and every individual. Conestoga Lodge offers permanent and short-term stays. To book a free, no-obligation tour, you can call 519-576-2140 or visit online at conestogalodge.com. You've been listening to Still Growing in Grace. I'm Pastor Mike Zenker, and I'd like to invite you to join me next Tuesday morning at 1130 when our teaching time will continue. Or join us at 1030 every Sunday morning at Hope Fellowship, your community church located on the second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. If this show has been an encouragement to you, won't you help us spread this good news? Make your donation today by visiting stillgrowingingrace.ca. You can also catch up on past programs, watch YouTube videos of our talks, and download our weekly podcasts. Sign up for our email list and send in your questions. After all, no one has arrived, and we are all still growing in grace.